Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, December 12th, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio, Beantown Athletics, Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C. And if you're a fantasy football player, well, a majority of you are not in the fantasy football playoffs. The fantasy football semifinals will begin this week in week 15 in the NFL. So uh, for most of you who did not make the fantasy football playoffs, I got something for you. Go to DraftKings.com right now or download the DraftKings app and you can play DraftKings one-week fantasy football. Get back in the winning column. And the best part about it all is that you get to draft a new team every week without any commitment whatsoever. So again, go to DraftKings.com right now and use promo code PIC, that's P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit for your share of over $1 million in total prizes this coming Sunday. Now, I am in the fantasy football semifinals, and uh, still with that, I'm suffering from a suspension. I have Ezekiel Elliott, so... um. Just because I'm in the fantasy football playoffs doesn't mean I won't put in a DraftKings lineup. I will put in a DraftKings lineup because uh, my best lineup is actually not going to be available to me in the fantasy football playoffs. So even for the people who are in the fantasy football playoffs, you should still go to DraftKings for week 15 and use my promo code PIC, P-I-C, to play for free. Today's show is also presented by Molinari's Pizzeria in Dorchester, Molinari's is exactly what y'all looking for in a family-owned Italian restaurant. Head in today on Adams Street in Dorchester. Grab a table, sit at the bar, or even order something to go. From appetizers and salads to sandwiches and house-made pasta dishes to their delicious wood oven specialty pizzas, Molinari's has the best Italian menu in town. My go-to, I tell you all the time, is the chicken palm sandwich. We order lunch here at Beantown Athletics from Molinari's all the time. And you should, too. Check out their entire menu right now, MolinariesPizzeria.com. That's MolinariesPizzeria.com. And when you do stop in on Adams Street in Dorchester, make sure you tell them I sent you. Welcome to the show on this special Tuesday edition. The schedule a little messed up this week because I had to come in this weekend. I just had to come in Sunday morning and record a podcast and react to the Giancarlo Stanton trade Saturday, we all woke up to Giancarlo Stanton traded to the New York Yankees. Uh, I'm not surprised. If you listen to this show, you would know that I'm not surprised to see that news. I told you, do not rule out the Yankees. Even when we were hearing some of the teams early on, like San Fran, St. Louis, even the Dodgers, I told you, do not rule out the Yankees. And uh, the Yankees, they didn't rule out themselves. They jumped into it late. And they ended up finalizing uh, a trade to acquire Giancarlo Stanton. So I just I had to react to that on Sunday, come in here and record a very rare weekend podcast. As I told you on Sunday's podcast, don't get used to me being in here on the weekends. Um, and in fact, if the Patriots did play on Sunday, I would not have been in here. I would have just waited until, I don't know, Sunday night or maybe even Monday morning. But the reason I didn't come in and give you another podcast on Monday 
is because the Patriots played Monday night. The Patriots played last night, Monday night. I'm recording this podcast on Tuesday morning. So the schedule this week, I gave you one show Sunday. I'm giving you this show on Tuesday, December 12th. And I'll get back to my regular schedule on Thursday of this week, in which I will give you picks picks for week 15. Uh, I will give a complete preview to the Patriots and Steelers, which is the biggest game of the week and really is maybe the biggest game of the year in all of the NFL, considering the implications of that number one seed in the AFC. So uh, I'll get into all my picks on Thursday and my preview for week 15 on Thursday. And of course, I will react on Thursday to any other Major League Baseball move that goes down during the winter meetings. The winter meetings in Orlando, they are currently taking place And before I do get into football, before I do get into my thoughts on the Patriots losing to the Dolphins in Miami on Monday Night Football and go over the entire playoff race in the NFL through 14 weeks, I just want to give, uh, I guess, some final thoughts on the Giancarlo Stanton trade. Because even though I did come in here on Sunday and record a podcast, you know, you hear some other things the last, you know, 24 to 48 hours from... Stanton and his agent from the Yankees because Stanton, you know, they had the press conference yesterday on Monday in which Stanton was revealed to the world as a New York Yankee, puts the pinstripe jersey on, puts the Yankee cap on, takes his pictures, smiles for the camera, his agent says some things, then the Red Sox respond, Dave Dombrowski, Red Sox president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski responds. So you've had some things going on here the last 48 hours that I, I guess I need to follow up on and react to before I do get into some NFL uh, and react to the Patriots loss in Miami. So here are my final thoughts on this Giancarlo Stanton trade. It's that, you know, and I tweeted this out, follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. I tweeted this out. You know, if we're going to pick right now to start believing everything that comes out of a sports agent's mouth, especially with regards to this Giancarlo Stanton blockbuster trade. If we're going to pick right now to start believing everything that an agent says, then we've lost our minds. I think think we've lost our minds. See, there's something going on here in New England and in Boston right now. And I don't know if it's like, like, I don't know if it's because people love, you know, the ratings game or they love controversy or, you know, they they know that the controversial opinion is going to drive people insane to the point where they either get callers on their radio shows, they either get views on their television shows, uh, you know, they get retweets on Twitter. I don't know if it's that or if people are just that, that stupid that actually want to come out this week and really lay the hammer down on Dave Dombrowski. Really lay the hammer down on the Boston Red Sox. Really lay the hammer down on Red Sox ownership and the entire organization as if to say they've done nothing the last couple off-seasons. You see, I think my reaction to this Stanton to the Yankees trade would be a whole lot different if the Red Sox have had their dumbs up their asses the last two off seasons. I think it'd feel a lot differently. Like if the Red Sox didn't do anything last off season and they didn't do anything the off season before that, I would be sitting there telling you that, all right, it's time for the Red Sox to do something. Perhaps they should be all in on Giancarlo Stanton, right? Now, 
I never said don't kick the tires on Stanton. I never said don't make a call on Stanton. But if you listen to this show, I told you from the get-go that I think the Miami Marlins, I think that Derek Jeter would have been asking for a whole heck of a lot from the Red Sox. I think he probably was asking for more from the Red Sox than he was from the Yankees. I just think that, look, I just think that's the way it works. You think you mean to tell me that Derek Jeter goes to Miami after his entire major league career was with the New York Yankees. Just a legend with the Yankees. Hall of Famer. I mean, superstar. World champion. The face of the New York Yankees. Derek Jeter. You mean to tell me after all those years in New York that he's he goes to the Miami Marlins in, in, in a, you know, front office ownership role. Like, you think he goes there and the first move that he makes is to trade the MVP, you know, 50 home run hitter, you know, a guy that smashes the ball, to trade one of the best players in baseball, one of the best hitters, one of the best power hitters in baseball. One of the, you mean to tell me that one of the first moves Jeter makes is to send that guy to the Red Sox for a bargain deal? No way. Like, I'm sorry. It's not going to work that way. So, um... You know, and I don't necessarily know that he sent them to the Yankees because he loves the Yankees. I mean, if you read the reports, you should know that the Marlins actually agreed to a deal with both San Francisco and St. Louis, but then it came time to get Giancarlo Stanton away of his no trade to those two teams, and he said, no, I won't do it. So then, of course, the Marlins have their hands tied at that point. Um, you know, I, I just, I look at this trade and the Red Sox fan in me obviously doesn't like it. I, I I don't like when the Yankees make that type of move. Yeah, I don't ever go into the mindset, well, you know, it, it's it's better because the rivalry will be a little bit more intense. I don't know. I just kind of feel like the rivalry is, is always intense. At least that's the way I look at it when they're playing the Yankees. And, you know, they didn't have to make this trade to be a contender for the division next year. We know the type of talent, young talent, the Yankees have. We know about Judge, Sanchez, a couple of the other kids, but I think the one that scares me the most as a Red Sox fan is Luis Severino. Kid who throws 97 with filthy movement is a starting pitcher and is going to be, I think, dominant for the <laughs> at least the next five to eight years. Um, that's the guy that scares me the most on the Yankees, but... You know, the the Yankees were going to sort of contend for the division anyways. I, I didn't look at this move and go, well, it's good. It's good for the rivalry. I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't, I don't like that the Yankees acquired Giancarlo Stanton. I never said that I did like it. But when it comes to taking that trade, seeing that trade, and then crushing the Red Sox organization, I feel differently about it if the Red Sox hadn't made any moves the last two offseasons. But they did. And what I'm hearing a lot right now in this town is, you know, there's a lot of people who I respect their opinion, they know the game, but they seemingly are out there, they're out there right now crushing Dave Dombrowski, and the latest reason is because Giancarlo Stanton's agent said on Monday that they were never presented with an option to go to the Red Sox. They were never presented with a trade to Boston. So they never rejected the Red Sox. They said if if they were, they would have been open to the possibility. They did not, you know, basically came out and said, well, no, we didn't say that 
the Red Sox were on the no trade list. And, and, and so a lot of people in this town, in Boston, took that as if the Red Sox didn't try to get Stanton at all. And, and that doesn't make any sense to me because, one, first and foremost, if we're going to choose right now to start believing everything that comes out of an agent's mouth, especially with regards to this type of blockbuster trade, with this type of player, with this type of situation, with the, the team that he went to, the, the Red Sox rival, if we're going to start picking right now to believe everything that comes out of Stanton's agent's mouth, then we've all lost our minds, especially knowing that Stanton can opt out in 2020, Stanton can opt out in three years. He can opt out. And I know they, they can say whatever they want right now that they don't have any plans to opt out at that point. Well, if Stanton keeps up the home run pace that he's on right now, I get news for you. He's going to opt out. He might opt out with the purpose of signing a longer deal with the Yankees and stay with the Yankees. That, that's fine. I'm not saying he's going to leave the Yankees. I'm saying he is going to opt out. You know, it's one thing if Stanton gets hurt the next two years, you know, continue, you know, all of a sudden struggles um, because of injury and just doesn't have three good years. And they look at the free agent market and they say, eh, we wouldn't make as much as we're currently making. So then they wouldn't opt out. But if Stanton produces, he's going to opt out. Doesn't mean he's leaving New York, but he's going to opt out and he's going to sign an even longer deal. He's going to sign, he'll sign a 10 year deal at that point. Okay. He will. Um, but, if you're his agent, you'd be foolish to sit up there and say, you know what, we didn't want to go to Boston. And I know some people would love that in New York because they'd say, yeah, fuck the Red Sox, yeah. You know, he they turned down the Red Sox to come to us. He's more beloved in this town, you know, than ever before. No, I think from a business perspective, and obviously they keep, you know, that's part of it as well. It should be. I don't blame him for, for having that be part of it. But from a business perspective, if you're Stanton's agent and you're sitting up there asked about the Red Sox and whether or not you would have entertained the possibility to go there, I think you say exactly what he said, knowing that, hey, you know what? We can opt out in three years when we opt out and we want that next contract, even if it is with the Yankees, to be as high as possible. We would be absolutely foolish to sit here, to sit here right now and say that we won't go to Boston, that we won't go to the Red Sox. We'd be foolish to do that. Because if you do anything, you actually entertain the move to the Red Sox to make sure that the Yankees give you even more when you do opt out. So, I mean, I can't believe anything that comes out of Stanton's agent's mouth. And the fact that some people did, they, they saw the quote on Twitter, and they're like, oh, fuck the Red Sox, can't believe it. They didn't even make the Marlins an offer. They weren't even trying to get Stanton. I mean, please, you're going to believe Stanton's agent? Because first of all, Dumbrell, it was it was reported early on that the Red Sox were involved early on. And, you know, Dombrowski came out afterwards and said, well, no, I mean, we had discussions early, and then we came back into it late, and it was just the asking price, at least for us, was too much. It was too much. Now, some people will look at what the Yankees gave up, Right. And they'll say, oh, the Red Sox, what was the equivalent for the Red Sox? Bogots and two prospects? Well, not necessarily. Not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. It, it could have been in one of the other younger players on the roster that, that maybe the Red Sox just weren't going to pot ways with. What if they were asking for Ben Attendee or Betts or Devis? I think that's a possibility. And if the Red Sox said, we just, that's not even a starting point for us. And, and, and the Marlins said, well, fuck it. You know, and Jeter said, no, you know what? 
we're not going to accept anything less from the Red Sox. What, you couldn't see that happening? I could. I could see that happening. And so, if it never got to the point where the Red Sox and Marlins agreed on anything, why would Stanton and his agent be asked to accept the trade to the Red Sox? Because the latest reports were, and again, I'll repeat this again, the Marlins agreed to a trade with both St. Louis and San Francisco and then went to Stanton and said, will you accept this deal? And he said no. And he said no. He wouldn't. And they're also trying to save face with all of it. They're like, well, we entertained it. We gave him an opportunity. And at the end of the day, we just didn't want... Like, please. Please. I mean... So if we're going to believe everything that, that Stanton's agent has to say about this situation, then we've lost our minds. I'll put it this way. I'm not going to believe it. Okay? And so what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to come down with the hammer on the Red Sox organization. I'm not going to come down with the hammer on Dave Dombrowski because, again, I'd feel a whole lot different about this situation if the Red Sox have been just sitting on their hands the last two off seasons. And that's something that I think a lot of people in this town right now have lost sight of. They have completely forgotten that Dave Dombrowski has come to the Red Sox and he has made some of the bigger trades and signings in baseball the last two off-seasons. Like, are we forgetting? The, the, the short-term memory loss in this town is driving me insane. Two years ago, traded for Craig Kimbrell, one of the elite closes in baseball. Traded for Kimbrell. Um, then what did he do? He signed David Price. And I know David Price takes a lot of heat in this town, but don't tell me he's an average pitcher. Don't tell me that he's somebody that sucks. I mean, please. He was arguably the top dog in that free agent class, and the Red Sox said, we're going to go after him. We're going to sign him. They traded for Craig Kimbrell, an elite closer, and arguably the best closer in baseball, and they signed the, the, the best available, maybe best available player. So... You, what, those aren't big moves? That, that, what is that? How do you describe those moves? He made those moves. And then, on top of all those things, just when you thought it couldn't get any bigger or better as to what Dave Dombrowski could do in the offseason, you know what he did last offseason? He made a blockbuster trade and acquired Chris Sale. Are we already forgetting about that move? Like, <laughs> I don't understand it. I, I just, I don't get it. And on top of that, on top of that, you know what he did? You know what the Red Sox have done? They've called, you know, they've added Ben Attendee from, from the farm system. They've added Raphael Devers from the farm system. Two players that are going to be studs. And they've won the division in the process. I've already, I already did the whole rant on Sunday about, all right, you don't have to explain to me that, that a championship, world championship is better than a division championship. I get it. If you have to, if you think you have to explain that to me, then... I mean, you just, you're, you're lost because you don't. I think everybody knows the obvious thing is a World Series championship is, is more important than a division championship, but you'd like to win the division again, wouldn't you? It's a, it's a nice start to get into that possible World Series championship, isn't it? It's just right now, a lot of people crushing the Red Sox. They're seeing what Stanton's agent has to say, and they're crushing the Red Sox even more because of that. Uh, and they're doing, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the eye roll. They're saying, oh, the Red Sox are talking about this guy, that guy. Oh, great. He's not Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, I mean, are we going to do that every, we going to do that every move? 
We gotta do that every move. What, what, what happened last year? They traded for fucking Chris Sale. The, the year before that, they traded for Craig Kimbrell, signed David Price. What, these moves? You're forgetting about these things? So now you're like, oh, Dombrowski sucks at his job. He can't do anything. What do you, what do you want him to do? Like, I be let's be honest here. You know? And, and guess what? People don't ever want to hear this, but I always have to remind them. Whatever you think is going on with regards to reports that you read from Buster Only or Ken Rosenthal or John Heyman or whoever the fuck else you read that covers Major League Baseball, um, I get news for you and even them, and they know it too, and they probably won't tell you this, but it's a thing, a little thing called tampering. And if you think that the Red Sox, like, like, if you think the Red Sox didn't know whether or not Stanton was going to waive the no trade or not to come to Boston, I think you're nuts. I think they knew. And you know why they can't come out and say, well, we, we kind of knew he wasn't going to come here. You know why they wouldn't do that? Because that's called, that's called tampering. And um, it, the last thing you want to be involved in is a news story, especially in 2017, where everybody's so sensitive and overreacts to everything. The last thing you want to be involved in is a tampering scandal. You know, they turn it into a scandal. But you know, and I know, that the Red Sox knew that Giancarlo Stanton wanted to not play for the Red Sox. I did that in the back of my head. That's kind of how I feel about it. And um, if I'm Dombrowski and that's the case, then why would you even waste a lot of your time trying to go get him? Right? I, I mean, it, it, to me, I'm not as frustrated as a lot of people in this town are. And I'm, I just think it's a little ridiculous to call for Dombrowski's head and say that the Red, oh, these, these are the Red Sox. You know, there's a lot of that going on. I'm hearing a lot of that. It's like, oh, they tweeted out emo- an emoji with three flames and said rivalry. That's all they got? You know, there are some people who are serious about this. It's like, that's all they got. Dombrowski made two of the two or three of the biggest moves in the last two off seasons in Major League Baseball. You don't acknowledge that? Ugh. It's insane. It's it, People have lost their fucking minds. And I, I can't tell if it's because they want to increase the ratings, because they love the controversy, or if they're just that fucking stupid. Honestly, I don't get it. But those are, those are my thoughts on my final thoughts on Giancarlo Stanton. It's December 12th. Red Sox can still make moves. I still say they should sign Eric Cosma. And if you want to add another pitcher, go ahead. Go out and get another pitcher. But... Also, keep your eye on the Red Sox next offseason for, for the Bryce Hopper sweepstakes because those will be sweepstakes, and uh, there will be big money dished out then. And who knows? Maybe, you know, David Price has a lot of incentive to pitch dominantly in the rotation this year because he has the opportunity to opt out after this season. And uh, if he wants to opt out, if he wants to get out of town and make the big bucks, then he's going to perform. And if he performs and he has an opportunity to opt out, he might. And if he does, and he's no longer on your books, you got a lot lot more money to entertain Bryce Hopper with. Okay? So, I, I just, I don't think you should forget that either. That part of it. When reacting to Giancarlo Stanton going to the Yankees. 
and not the Red Sox. But we got to move on from that because um, the emotions uh, riding high in this town, not just because of that, but because of the New England Patriots. Week 14 is in the books. Real quick, my picks for week 14, just another good week. Just another good week. Another, and, and you know what? Another week where you don't hear from anybody. You know, the trolls, crickets from the trolls. You don't hear from them. I don't get the texts. I don't get the tweets. I don't get the messages. I don't get the emails. Not when you're winning. Not when everything's going well. Not when you're getting them right. Nah, they let you hear about it when you get it wrong. But when, when you get it right, eh, they, they don't seem to respond to anything. They don't seem to want to talk to you. For the second straight week, picks, picks, with the spread, I went 4-1 and one for the second straight week. 8-2 and two in the last two weeks. Over the last three weeks, I'm 11-4. and four. So I've been on a little bit of a roll here. And now, on the season, I am back above 500 with this second straight 4-1 and one week for Picks Picks. I am 35-33-2. and two, 35 wins, 33 losses, and 2 pushes on the season. So I'm back above 500. I'll be back Thursday to make more picks. But here's what I got right and here's what I got wrong. Only one game wrong. It was Washington plus six over the Chargers. This one was in L.A. Uh, Washington lost, and they lost by more than six. So that's the one game I lost. I won with Jacksonville minus two and a half. They beat Seattle, and they covered at home in Jacksonville. Uh, Kansas City, you know, they got back on track. I took Kansas City minus four over Oakland. That game was in KC, and I got that right. Kansas City wins. They win by more than four points. I took Philadelphia plus two and a half. Uh, The Eagles beat the Rams in L.A., so they obviously cover as a two and a half point dog. I told you that was an easy pick for me to take Philly in that game. I'll get back to Philly in a minute. And then I took Baltimore plus five over Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football. I told you I don't think Baltimore is going to win the game, but I think they're going to keep it close and they'll cover with a five-point spread. Baltimore was a five-point dog. What, they lose by one point in this one, so I covered So that's what I got right. Jacksonville, Kansas City, Philly, and Baltimore. And the one game I got wrong was Washington plus six. Chargers beat them by more than six. And my DraftKings got to have them play. I always give you one player that you got to have in your DraftKings lineup for Sunday's slate. I always give you that as well on Thursday's show. And I gave you Kareem Hunt. So I've been on a roll with these picks too. Kareem Hunt, he bounced back. He only cost you 6500 bucks. He got you 25.80 points. He ran for 116 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, nice bounce back week for him. You know, he had been struggling. Kansas City had been struggling. Nice bounce back week for the Chiefs who remain in the current playoff picture. I'll get back to the playoff picture, but let's let's look at the top stories from week 14. And uh Number one, the biggest story week 14 has to be that Carson Wentz, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz, is done for the season. He is out for the season. He tore his ACL. Just a devastating injury for the Eagles. I mean, he ended up winning this game against the L.A. Rams, and it's a huge win for him because with the win, the Eagles are 11-2, and with the win, the Eagles clinched the NFC East. But, uh... It came at a price because Carson Wentz is out for the season, and he was having a tremendous year. M- you know, MVP candidate might even have ended up being the MVP in a lot of people's eyes who have a vote, and now he's done. And now 
The Eagles will turn to Nick Foles. It's just now that's that's one of those that's one of those injuries that you look at Philly now and you look at their schedule and you look at just how tough that NFC is. You know, you have Minnesota, you got the Rams, you got the Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Seahawks. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, it's t- I don't know that Philly's even going to get the one seed now. I really don't. They've clinched the division at 11-2. and two. They play the Giants at MetLife in Week 15. They should be able to win that even without Wentz. But then you play Oakland, who's probably going to be in a desperate spot and is still a pretty good team. And then they play Dallas, where Ezekiel Elliott is going to be back for the Cowboys. And with the Cowboys winning again this weekend, they're still alive in the playoffs. The Cowboys could be battling in a must-win game. So that's not going to be an easy game either. I don't know. I could see the Eagles not maybe not even getting a first-round bye now, depending on what L.A. or New Orleans or Carolina does mo- moving forward. Right? So, just a brutal injury. You, you you hate to see it. I can't even imagine what it's like to be an Eagles fan right now and 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 know that Carson Wentz is not going to be back out in that field for your team the rest of the season. Just devastating stuff. And um, that's the biggest story. Carson Wentz out for the season. The Eagles do clinch the division. Uh, the other team to clinch their division in Week 14 was Pittsburgh. They did that with a win over Baltimore on Sunday night. So Pittsburgh clinches their division. Philly clinches their division. And now we look at the other two teams who could have clinched their division and failed to do it. Minnesota and New England both failed to clinch their divisions. The Vikings could have clinched with a win in Carolina or a Detroit loss and Green Bay loss. Um, The Vikings, they lost their game in Carolina. And also Detroit and Green Bay both won, so the Vikings did not clinch. The Patriots, they could have clinched with a win in Miami on Monday Night Football or a Buffalo loss. Uh, Buffalo is at home against Indy. Buffalo won that game in OT in the snow, and the Patriots lost 27-20 on Monday Night Football. So the Patriots did not clinch their division. And that brings me now to the Patriots and Dolphins on Monday night. It's the reason why I waited until Tuesday to give you this podcast where I usually break down the previous weekend in the NFL on Monday. But I waited till Tuesday. I wanted to react to this game. I wanted to get it in the books. It's in the books. The Dolphins win it 27-20. Patriots got a late touchdown. They tried for an onside kick. I have no idea what was going on with that onside kick. But I'm not going to spend too much time on it because it really wasn't the... I mean, what are the odds of getting an onside kick, even if it was a good one anyways? I think you're wasting your time to argue about that kick. It was a shady kick. But look, here's where the Patriots lost this game. They lost this game because, and I I actually had to go back and look this up. This was the biggest reason. You know, the Patriots offense was so out of sync, it wasn't even funny. Why was it out of sync? Well, the biggest reason is that they were without both Gronkowski and Edelman. Without both Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman. These are Tom Brady's binkies, if you will. These are the two guys that Tom Brady trusts and relies on the most. And in the last three seasons, 2015, last season, and most of this season, all this season, before last night's game, before Monday night's game, at least based on my calculations, 
The Patriots have played only one game without both Gronk and Edelman. And it was that Philly game in 2015. Remember that? Remember that nightmare against, against Philly? Um, we, we, we questioned the coaching in that one a, a lot. Um, that was the only game in 2015, 2016, and this season. So the last three seasons, including this one, Patriots have only played one game without both Gronk and Edelman. Now, those guys have each missed time in, in parts of the last three seasons, but at least Tom Brady has had one of those two guys most of the time. If Gronk was out, he's had Edelman. If Edelman's out, he's had Gronk. The Patriots in the last three seasons have only played one game without both of these two players. So that was a major, major difference maker. And you could sense it early and often, especially with Miami's pass pass rush. You know, they got guys up front who love to hit the quarterback. And it seems like this group of Dolphins up front they love to get to Tom Brady more than any other quarterback. And, and so I think they get the Patriots best a lot. But also, what also factors into this, every single year with regards to the Patriots and the AFC East, you can knock the AFC East all you want. I'm not sitting here telling you it's any good or has been any good at any point in, in recent history. But you have to admit this. You can account for at least one road divisional game every single season that's going to be a dogfight, that's going to be ugly, right? That's just going to be an ugly game, going to have an ugly feel. We don't like the feel of it. Tom Brady looks frustrated. The Patriots have some issues on defense. When they're on the road, they, they play a game in New York against the Jets. They play a game in Buffalo. They play a game in Miami. Every single year, one of those three divisional road games is an ugly one is one you don't feel good about. Maybe they squeeze out an ugly win, or maybe it looks like last night, which was an ugly loss. At least one of those games on the road against an AFC East team every single season feels this way, doesn't it? At least I feel it does, so I always account for that. When we do look at the schedule at the beginning of the season, I always say to you, well, you can factor in one divisional road game to maybe be a loss. Um, This was it. You lose in Miami. The Dolphins are still alive in the playoff race. They're now 6-7, and seven, you know? And, and the final wildcard spot is actually Buffalo, and Buffalo's only 7-6. and six. So Miami has a chance to get in. And, again, you look at those guys up front for Miami that love to hit the quarterback, but, but love to hit Tom Brady maybe more than any other quarterback, so that motivates them as well. And I, on top of it all, it's just Brady doesn't have Gronk and Edelman. He's missing both of those guys. Gronk's got the one-game suspension. Chris Hogan was playing injured. It was just, it was a tough night. And I'm not going to look at this tough night. I'm gonna, not going to look at this tough game and tell you that the Patriots are done or the sky has fallen or that Tom Brady is done. You have, like, how much of a raging asshole do you have to be to go on national TV and start telling people that Tom Brady is now all of a sudden in a decline because he had a bad game. Who's a dude from Fox Sports? Nick Wright? Who the fuck is Nick Wright? I got pe- I see people on my Twitter timeline like tweeting this guy. Like, uh, and I watch a video clip. Who's he with? Chris Carter? What is that show? What's go- what- is that Fox Sports 1? What's going on there? That's a real show? And this dude, Nick Wright, he's like, oh, Tom Brady, in the decline, Eric. This is where it begins. 
you know, he's taking a page out of Max Kellerman's book. Well, Max Kellerman said Tom Brady's falling off a cliff. Now, I don't, I don't think he went that far. He didn't go as far as Max Kellerman. But, I mean, you, come on. You sound like a raging asshole. When you speak up, you don't need to be a Patriots fan to know that one bad game on the road in Miami where you have no Gronk and no Edelman, something that you've only had to deal with again one time in the last three seasons, being without both of those guys, you're a raging asshole if you actually take that one game and believe that Tom Brady's career is now coming to an end. Or this is where it begins. These are the signs. When are we going to realize that that's not the case? Here's when they'll realize it. You know when they'll realize it? Next Sunday when the Patriots go to Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers. That's, that's when they'll realize it. And when they the one seed in the AFC again, and when they're hosting the AFC championship again, I've lost track of how many times the Patriots have been in the AFC championship over the last 15 years. I've lost track of it. I don't right now on top of my head. Is it six, seven in a row? I, I've lost track. That's how many times. That should tell you something about where Tom Brady's at, about where the Patriots are at. If you want to take one bad game without Gronk and without Edelman, with an injured Chris Hogan on the road in this league, and you want to say that Tom Brady's career is this is where it's now going to go downhill. Like, it began in Miami. We're going to remember the Miami game for when Tom Brady began to decline. If you're saying that today, you're a dickhead. You're a fucking dickhead, okay? And unfortunately, you're probably going to be praised by your bosses because they're like, oh, look at how many many more people watched our show and watched our video on Twitter because you said this assholes so how about just being factual is 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 that stuff lost now in the business because here are the facts fact of the matter is when you have to go to Dwayne Allen who gets a season high five targets in a game you know you're in for a long night. You should know that it's maybe not necessarily on the quarterback when you are forced to go to Dwayne Allen five times. You targeted him. That's five times too many. Okay? One here or there the last couple weeks hasn't been crazy, but five? Come on. Let's go. Everybody wake the fuck up. The Patriots' season is not over. Tom Brady's career is not declining. And the fact of the matter is that the Patriots will take their medicine, they're going to get Gronkowski back, and they're going to be on to Pittsburgh. Sunday at 425, in Pittsburgh, the biggest game of the year. It's basically a playoff game. You're going to have Jim Nance and Tony Romo, I assume, getting the call for that game. And the winner of that game will take the number one seed in the AFC. And if you're curious as to what the opening spread is, now, some places I haven't even seen one. Other places I see the Patriots open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Which again, it tells you I think all you need to know. Pittsburgh's eleven and two. The Patriots are ten and three right now. Entering this game, Pittsburgh's the one seed. Patriots are the two seed. So, you know, this idea that the Patriots are done is just insane. They will play this game in Pitt, and then they will control their own destiny. The Patriots could have won in Miami, and with regards to the one seed in the AFC, they would have been in the same spot today that they are now. 
that they've lost. Even if they won in Miami on Monday Night Football, Patriots would be in the same spot. Even if the Patriots won in Miami on Monday Night Football, let's say they blew them out 40-0. If that happened, and then the Patriots lose Sunday to Pittsburgh, what would that Miami game mean? That Miami win might might factor into the two seed because you got Jacksonville there at nine and four. But listen, let's. Well, why are you worrying about the two seed when you still got to get? The, you can still get the one seed, and all you got to do is beat Pittsburgh. Patriots control their own destiny, okay? And if they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, which they can do, they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh last year, and then they beat them again in the AFC Championship. Um. At, well, it was at Gillette, right? They beat him in the AFC Championship. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell went down with an injury in that game in the first quarter, early on, right away, I believe, right? Le'Veon Bell left that game early in the AFC title game last year, but they, they played in the regular season. And, in fact, I mean, you look at the AFC Championship last year, Patriots didn't have Gronk. So, I mean, the Patriots can beat Pittsburgh, is my point. And, um... They can beat them Sunday in Pittsburgh. And the winner of that game is going to get the one seed in the AFC. Patriots control their own destiny is, is what I'm trying to tell you. If they beat Pittsburgh on Sunday in Pittsburgh, which they can do because they're going to get Gronk back and the Patriots offense is going to look completely different. It's going to look different not just because they're going to go to Gronk all game, but because Gronk's presence opens things up for other guys. It opens more things up underneath for little dump-offs to James White. Uh, getting Rex Burkhead out there, even Amendola, you know, everybody, everybody opens things up for everybody. So, I mean, you get Gronk back, you can beat Pittsburgh, and if you do that, then the remaining portion of your schedule, the final two games, are at home. At home against Buffalo on Christmas Eve, and at home against the Jets on New Year's Eve. So, you mean to tell me the Patriots can't win out? They can, and they probably will. That's what I put my money on. So those are the facts. that <laughs> The Patriots control their own destiny, even with that loss to the Dolphins last night. And Tom Brady's career is not over. This offense is going to look completely different when Gronk is back in it in Pittsburgh Sunday at 425. And if the Patriots win their next three, which they very well can, and I put my money on them winning their next three, they will be the number one seed in the AFC. And the AFC championship will be at Gillette Stadium. And it'll probably be Pittsburgh coming to Gillette again. And we'll be doing the preview for Steelers Patriots all over. Right? I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation the Patriots are in. The sky is not falling. And I'm not going to sit here and, and panic. Now, if the Patriots lose in Pittsburgh Sunday, you know, then maybe we have to revisit this conversation. Look at what the Patriots have. Look at why maybe they've struggled the last couple games. And keep an eye on Jacksonville and wonder if the Patriots are even going to get a first-round bye. But don't worry about that till you get there. There's one thing that very well could happen, and I would put my money on it happening, and that's the Patriots going into Pittsburgh and beating the Steelers. The Patriots' defense, all right, they let up 27 points on the road to Miami on Monday night. But before then, the Patriots hadn't allowed more than 17 points since week four. They, haven't, they hadn't allowed more than 17 points in a single game since week four against Carolina. That's a pretty good stretch of not allowing 20 points in a game, right? And that's why the Patriots climbed the ranks, the statistical ranks in the NFL to becoming a top 10 defense in this league. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy in Pittsburgh, but 
I don't think it's going to be as ugly because you will get Gronk back. I, I just think there's an aspect to it where missing both Gronk and Edelman, something the Patriots haven't really had to had to do. They, they haven't really had to play without both of those guys. Only once the last three seasons they've played without both of those guys. I think that is a major factor to this, to this offense and how it runs and even how McDaniels has, is able to call it. So I'm not panicking. I don't feel horrible. Beat Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. And, and, and then I think everybody's going to feel great. And you'll have people back on the bandwagon. And they'll be saying, oh, maybe Brady wasn't done. Maybe Brady's career isn't over. You know, maybe we, we should stop looking at Garoppolo and what he's doing with San Fran. Good for Garoppolo. Getting another win. Good for him. But it's not like he's playing murderous row. He's playing the Bears and the, and the depleted Texans. So, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's nice to see the kid have a little success, I guess, but just because he beats the Bears and the Texans and Tom Brady has one bad game without two of his best receivers, something that he hasn't had to play without both of those guys really at all, only one other time, you know, stop overreacting. Stop overreacting. Patriots are going to be just fine. You shouldn't even need me to tell you that. You shouldn't. But since, you know, I've won role here on this show, which seems to be to uh, be the common presence, I guess, for the people that want to hit the panic button. Well, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Patriots fan. I honestly feel like if you think logically about it and you look at this, even if you were a, I don't know, let's say you're, let's say you were a Carolina Panthers fan. You love the NFL and you looked at the Patriots. How could you possibly look at that and say, oh, Tom Brady's done or the Patriots are done? Please should feel the same way as I do right now. They're not done. Tom Brady's not done. The Patriots aren't done. And you should put your money on them beating the Steelers Sunday in Pittsburgh. That's what you should do. So, if the playoffs began today, that's how we'll close it out, I guess. If the playoffs began today, Pittsburgh's the one seed, Patriots are the two seed, the three seeds, Jacksonville at nine and four. Jacksonville would be hosting the six seed Buffalo Bills, who are seven and six. So, Buffalo would be going to Jacksonville in the wild card round. Kansas City would be the four seed at seven and six. Uh, they would be hosting Tennessee, the five seed. Tennessee's at eight and five. So the Titans would be going to Kansas City for the wild card round. And then in the NFC, the one seed Eagles, the two seed Vikings, they'd have to buy. Uh, the three seed Rams at nine and four, they'd be hosting the six seed Atlanta Falcons, who are right now eight and five. So Atlanta would be going to L.A. to take on the Rams in the wild card round. And then the four-seed Saints at 9-4 and four would be hosting the five-seed Carolina Panthers, who are also 9-4. and four. But the Saints beat the Panthers twice already this season. So Saints get that tiebreaker for that division. And uh, Carolina, the five-seed, would be going to New Orleans for the wild card round. The NFC is much more of a dogfight. You got to... Handful of teams here. Seattle at eight and five on the outside looking in. Detroit at seven and six on the outside looking in. Green Bay at seven and six on the outside looking in. Dallas at seven and six on the outside looking in. Arizona's mathematically alive at six and seven, but they they really don't have much of a chance to get in. They're not gonna catapult themselves up into the playoffs. I just don't see it happening. But I am giving Seattle, Detroit, Green Bay, and Dallas a shot. And the reason I'm giving Green Bay and Dallas a shot even though they're below Seattle and Detroit, 
is because it's seven and six, both Green Bay and Dallas, they're both going to get a key player back. We think Aaron Rodgers might play this, this week, as crazy as that is. Recovering from the collarbone injury, he's practicing. Aaron Rodgers might return. So keep an eye on that situation. And for Dallas, they'll play one more game without Ezekiel Elliott, and then they will get him back in Week 16. And if they can just win one more, which is going to be Sunday Night Football in Oakland, if they can just win that one game, and I, I definitely think it's possible, if they can just somehow squeeze that one out, They'll get Zeke back for a home game against Seattle in week 16 on Christmas Eve. And then they'll play in Philly. If Philly doesn't have Carson Wentz, so the door's open for Dallas. And if you're Green Bay and you do get Aaron Rodgers back, well, gives you a better chance in Carolina this Sunday. They're in Carolina. It's not going to be easy, but it gives you a better chance with Rodgers. Then against Minnesota, again, you got a better chance with Rodgers. And then in Detroit, it's not an easy schedule for Green Bay, but you got to keep an eye on them and give them a shot if they're going to get Rodgers back. And if Dallas, they can beat Oakland. They're going to get Elliott back, and, and you got to keep them alive in it too. Uh, Seattle, they play the Rams. They play Dallas. They play Arizona. It's, it's a dogfight in the NFC. It really is. It could go anyway. Now in the AFC, on the outside, looking at Baltimore's on the outside at 7-6. and six. The, uh, the Chargers are in the outside at seven and six. Oakland's at six and seven. Miami's six and seven. The Jets and the Bengals, both at five and eight, are mathematically alive. But I'm not going to put the Jets and the Bengals in. Uh, it's going to come down to that. The final wild card spot's going to come down to Buffalo, Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Raiders. Honestly, you're asking me who who's going to get in. I think that Baltimore is going to get in. They play Cleveland. They should win that game. Then they play Indy, they should win that game, and they play Cincy. Baltimore has the easiest schedule there, and I think, they'd, I think they'll end up getting in. I think Baltimore will end up getting in in that final wildcard spot. But that's the way the playoff picture looks in the NFL. I will get my picks for Week 15 on Thursday's podcast. Five games with the spread. I'm on a roll. You might as well, might as well listen to it and uh, take some advice while I have the hot hand. And also, I'm giving you some pretty good DraftKings gotta-have-em plays for Sunday's slate. And a reminder, go to DraftKings.com or go to the DraftKings app and use my promo code PICK, that's P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit. You can get this show whenever you want at DannyPicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, also now on iHeartRadio and soon to be on Spotify. Also, this show is on the Podcast One Network. And uh, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Back to my regular schedule later this week on Thursday. Enjoy the next couple days. I'm out. Talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>